Okay, we are here. I had New Hope Radio, Dave Therrien. The fixies. Busy headphones. I wonder if headphones are really made for ears. There you go. Put them on the wrong ears. When you put them on the wrong ears, you have dyslexic hearing. You know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You hear things backwards. <laughs> and the microphone's hooked up wrong. Say things backwards. Okay, let's get right at it. Today we wrap up our giant talk. We've been talking about facing the giants that pop up in our lives, right? We talked about some of those nasty giants. Come to a point in life where you feel like, man, closed in. No way out. What do I do as a giant? How about that guy called pride? Get you to become a little braggadocious. Then we get this big one. Oh, this guy's an overweight giant. Yeah, guilt. This giant needs Weight Watchers because he lays the guilt on you. And I'll tell you what, this giant sits on you. You don't know how to handle him. You ain't getting up. Then we have a giant called Hurt. Oh yeah, he comes at you all different ways, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Financially, you name it, he's coming. And then we talked about that guy called Compromise. You know what that does? He says, follow me, and he leads you to disaster, to destruction. When you follow Compromise, you always end up in the pit. He's bringing you to the dump, and you don't want to go there. And you got to learn, how do you fight Compromise? You make up your mind before he shows up. That's how. You make up your mind before he shows up. Okay. There are many more giants as well. We're not going to get to, there's a lot of them. Big family. Oh yeah, big family of giants. But we're going to end our series today as we face the giant called jealousy. Have you ever been jealous of someone? How did that feel? You know, when you feel jealous towards someone, you you don't feel that good, do you? No, you don't feel good. It's a lousy feeling, and yet sometimes, even though it feels so bad, we stay there. Oh, yeah, and we entertain jealousy. Oh, we can feed jealousy, and yet (laughs) it doesn't feel good. It's like feeding a dog that's biting you. He won't let go, but you keep feeding him. So... What does jealousy mean? You want what they have. It could come in the realm of something material. It could come in the realm of attention. Oh, maybe they're getting attention. You want that attention. It could come in the realm of a person. Oh, you want that person. Why do they have that person? I want that person. Right? You even may think to yourself, I should have that, not them. I deserve that. Why do they have it? So, before we meet this giant called Jealousy, let's take a look at his character. Jealousy is resentful. Oh yeah, full of resentment. Jealousy is spiteful, full of spite. Jealousy is envious. Jealousy sometimes is even called a green-eyed monster. (laughs) You know, when you see the green-eyed monster, he's coming. 
Jealousy is one of those giants. He doesn't come around very often. Oh, but when he does, he seeks total control. He can even cause one to do something very regretful. Yeah. If you entertain this giant, he'll get you to do something that you are sorry that you did it. So let's watch him in action, okay? Back in the days of the early church, after Jesus ascended into heaven and the apostles began to fulfill the great commission of taking the gospel to all people, believe it or not, the church came under Roman persecution. Man, once again, right? You got a good message, you got good news, and it comes under attack. Shows you the spiritual warfare that's in the world. The Romans, they persecuted the church because they didn't understand anything about them. No, nothing at all. And you know, what people don't understand, they usually attack. The Romans had their own gods, their own systems of religion, and they failed to recognize, uh uh-oh, the one true God. That's the one that counts, the one true God. When the Christians observed the Lord's Supper and partook of the bread, calling it the body of Christ, they were accused of cannibalism. Huh, that's, that's what the Roman gossips were saying. These people eat each other. They're eating flesh because they say, this is my flesh. This is the flesh of Jesus. This is his body. Let's eat it. And they, they thought there was cannibalism going on. The love feasts, which were their fellowship dinners, the Romans thought they were orgies. What's going on over there? Not that they were not that they were innocent of those things. So therefore, under persecution, many of the believers went went without daily necessities. Persecution will do that. It'll rob you of the things that you need in life. So now we find them in Acts chapter four and verse thirty four. Here's what it says. What? There was not a needy person among them. Wait a minute. Didn't I just say they were under persecution? And when you're under persecution, a lot of the things that you need, you don't have them. But yet it says there was not a needy person among them. And this is why. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. And they'd lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Wow. Persecution brought out a wonderful spirit of generosity in the early Christians. And it should do that. And it does do that, doesn't it? Persecution brings out a spirit of generosity. I mean, you look at America. When there's a tornado or a flood or a hurricane, uh, emergencies, natural disasters. People are there. A lot of them leave their homes, they donate, and they help those that are in tremendous need. That's the Spirit of Christ. Verse 36, Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, he was also called Barnabas by the apostles. You know what Barnabas means? It means son of encouragement. That was like his nickname. What a great second name, or great nickname, son of encouragement. You know, a nickname usually 
is used to identify something about a person. So Barnabas signifies this guy was a real encourager. He had the gift of encouragement. That's a spiritual gift, you know. And probably many of you have it. And boy, do we need it. Oh, yeah. We need Christians with the gift of encouragement because you pick us up and you keep us going when we're down. Okay. So now here comes an act of wonderful generosity. Verse 37. Barnabas owned a tract of land and he sold it. And he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, why this generous spirit of the early church? Here's, here's why. Here's why the spirit of generosity kind of sprang up. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Ah, one heart and soul. They were all on the same page. They were all going in the same direction. You know, many churches are like that. I'll bet your church is like that. I know my church is like that. Very generous church family. Hope I'll bet yours is too. See, generosity comes because you're truly in touch with God. When you're in touch with God, He gives you a spirit of generosity because God is generous. Oh, come on. He's going to share heaven with us. He shared His Son with us. God is generous. He shares the Holy Spirit with us. God is generous. So far, so good, right? Things are going well back in the early church. People are selling their stuff, donating it to those in need. People are helping each other. But again, it's not to benefit themselves, but to benefit other people. See, generosity doesn't go to self. Generosity goes to others. That's what real help, or that's what real ministry is. Ministry is what? service to others. So you can call a church a ministry because it provides a service to others. And you can call yourself a minister because you provide a service to others. When you're serving someone else somehow, some way, you are a minister. Okay? So we've got this beautiful scene, beautiful thing hanging on and going on. In spite of persecution from the Romans, People are selling their stuff, distributing money. People's needs are being met. There's a wonderful spirit of camaraderie among the church. Now, uh-oh, here comes the giant. It's like this giant can smell a good thing and then come in and mess it all up. That's what this giant does. He comes in, mess it all up. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But... A man, now, we're going to contrast Barnabas, right? But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, they sold a piece of property. Huh, okay. They sold a piece of property. Like Barnabas, they, saw, they had some land, and they sold it, and that's okay. The Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not sell your land. It doesn't say anything about that. If you own something, you can do what you want with it, right? But now we get to verse 2. They kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, there's a lesson here for you wives. Wives, you know you have a tremendous responsibility and you know what that is? It's to talk sense to your husband 
when he has a crazy idea. That's your number one responsibility. When your husband has a crazy idea, your job is to talk sense into him. And boy, husbands can have some crazy ideas. Just ask my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you. She talks sense into me quite a bit. So, okay, they had some land. They sold the land. They brought some money. That's okay. But wait a minute. There's a little phrase in here that kind of messed up the whole thing. The phrase kept back. They gave the money, but they kept back some of the money. Now wait, that's the work of the giant. Because what's really going on here, they sold the land, they said they gave all the money, but they kept back some of the money for themselves. They lied. See, they could have kept half of it and given half of it. But just tell the truth. They could have, they could have kept most of it and gave $2 and said, we sold some land, here's $2. Okay. But they said they gave all of it. And they didn't. They kept some of it. And you know what? Peter caught on to this. He caught on to this, what he considered treachery. Because you know what he said? He said in verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan, that dirty devil, filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the price of the land? In other words, what he's saying is, yeah, you, hey, you didn't have to give it all, but you said you did. That's your mistake. He said, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? So why is it you've conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. Uh-oh. He lied to God, Peter said. Now this is interesting. You have not lied to men, but to God. How is it that he lied to God? Well, back in Acts 4.31, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, were acting as if they were being led by the Spirit. So when Ananias said that he gave all the money, it was a lie because the impression was he was being led by the Spirit. So he lied to the Spirit that was supposedly leading him. It was a lie to God. And then in verse 5, as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. That was it. Show was over for Ananias. Oh, and great fear came over all who heard of it. I'd say so. <laughs> that guy lied and died. I'd say so. The last time I ever lied, I'll tell you. The young man got up, verse 6, covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now, three hours later, probably after her shopping trip, here comes Mrs. Ananias. Here comes Sapphira. She's trotting in. She's got her shopping bags. I don't know where she went. She probably went to the nice store because she kept back the money, some of the money, you know. So, verse 8, Peter responded to her, Hey, uh, Sapphira. 
Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. Is this how much you got for the land? See, God always gives us a chance to make it right. You know that? He always gives us a chance. You mess up the first time, all right? You're going to have another opportunity to get it right. Don't blow it. Don't mess that one up because that could be the curtain call. So, and that's where humility comes from. Humility comes in when you say, okay, I messed up the first time. God has given me another opportunity. I'm going to get it right this time. But the problem here was this giant called jealousy. I'm telling you, he's big. He wanted all the attention. He is relentless. I mean, after all, if Barnabas got accolades for what he did, they wanted it too. Hey, we want to be the star of the show. Oh, people were patting Barnabas on the back. Oh, Barnabas, you're a great guy, man, for he's a jolly good fellow. They like that. They said, we want that too. So they went out and did the same thing, but they lied. So when Peter said, is this how much you got? She said, yeah, that was the price. <laughs> what do you think the people standing around were thinking? Uh-oh, here we, here we go again. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's funny. It's not funny. I don't mean to laugh, but it's funny. Here we go again. They know what's coming. And Peter said to her, Why is it you have agreed together, you and your husband, to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Why did you, Mrs. Ananias, and your husband Ananias, Formulate this plan to test God. See, remember, wives, your job is to talk sense to your husband. When he comes home with a crazy idea, you say, wait a minute. I heard this pastor on the radio. He said, my job is to talk sense to you. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to talk sense to you. And if he's smart, he'll listen. Oh, yeah, he'll listen if he's really smart. So you know what Peter said? Behold. Oh, man. You know what behold means? Look at that. She probably turned and looked. Looked. The feet of those who buried your husband, they're at the door. And they're going to carry you out as well. And immediately, boom, she fell at his feet. And she breathed her last. And the young men came in found her dead, and they carried her out, and they buried her beside her husband. Man, what a scene. Aren't you glad that doesn't go on today? <laughs> I am. These people, Ananias and Sapphira, they were literally two peas in a pod. Yeah, both alike. They both succumbed to the giant jealousy. See, Solomon said two are better than one, for if one falls, the other one can hold him up. But they didn't do that. They both fell together. Because jealousy is strong. It's powerful. And if someone's becoming jealous, somebody's got to come alongside. they got to hold them up before they fall. you got to talk sense. And the one that's becoming jealous has to realize, wait a minute, Something's happening to me. My heart 
is changing. It's getting hard. It's getting vindictive. Something's happening. And they need someone to come along and talk sense to them. So Ananias and Sapphira, they were two peas in a pod. They were two peas in a pod in their lie. And they were two peas in a pod where they lied. In the ground. They were literally in the ground together. And what happened in verse 11? Oh yeah, great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Yeah, of course. Adam Clark said, This judgment answered the end for which it was inflicted. A deeply religious fear occupied every mind, and hypocrisy and deception were banished from this holy assembly. Yeah, in other words, you know what? God had to clean house. He had to remove the leaven, the evil. That's why you have to deal with sin. Because if you don't put it out, it's like a fire. It becomes contagious. That's what happens. And when fire spreads, more people get burned. So the people learn the lesson from someone else's failure. You know that's the best way to learn? <laughs> from somebody else's failure. Look at their life, how they fail. Say, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm not going that way. That's why Romans 15:4 says that God gave us the Old Testament that through the encouragement of the Scriptures and the instruction of the Scriptures, we would have hope. So we read the Old Testament and we look at the characters of the Bible and we learn from them. Many of them did it right and we try to mimic them and many of them did it wrong and we try to learn from them. But don't disregard the Old Testament because there are great character studies that can benefit us. Better to learn from someone else's failure than your own. This is one of those Behold messages. In other words, pay attention. Don't let jealousy rule you. Jealousy rules people, and you know what it does? It destroys their lives. And this giant jealousy, he's difficult to beat. And he gets stronger, here it is, when we feed him. When we entertain him. That's when he gets stronger. If you ignore him, he goes away. But if you feed him, oh, he gets stronger. So let me give you three thoughts to defeat this giant, okay? Number one, and these all come from God. These are not original with me. <laughs> Number one, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Exodus 20:17. Don't covet. What does that mean? Don't envy. Don't want what someone else has. That's where you start. Just don't want. If God wanted you to have it, he'd give it to you. It's not yours. It's someone else's. Leave it alone. How many people fall into immorality and destroy their families and marriages because they want someone that belongs to someone else? And I'll tell you what, it happens in the church. Oh, it happens in the church as much as it happens in the world. Yeah, just as much. Because that giant is big. 
and people are fleshly. So make this rule. Don't want what someone else has. Okay, number two. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For Christ himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. The point is, be content. I believe God gives to the contented heart, but he does not give to the one that craves. He gives to the one that's contented. Hebrews 13, 5. And then thirdly, this one will fill the void. Sometimes we think we have a void and then jealousy moves in. But here's what, it, here's what, here's what we say. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10, 27. So love God and love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet. You're not going to envy. You're not going to be jealous. You're going to want what's good for them, not what's bad for them. You're not going to want to take what they have. Not if you love them. Oh, there are giants that want to come into our lives. But remember this. God is bigger. Stay on the side of God. And this giant will never win. He won't. He's not going to win. You know why? As big as he is, and as controlling as he is, he's not as big as God. But God gives us the freedom. And we have to make the right choices. Are you in the YouTube channel yet? You get notifications when we go on the radio? Come on, we want to wake you up. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click the media button. Click radio. Click the icon there, a little microphone. Hit subscribe. When we go on the air, you'll get a notification. And you can be part of the program on YouTube, Facebook. All of our messages there on YouTube. And don't forget the whole club podcast. Just type it in. The Hope Club Podcast. All of our messages are there. Check them out. You really like them. Thank you for coming along, and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.